As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Big Football Show. This podcast is brought to you by Direct TV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. Today is Wednesday, September 8th, and this is Scott Docterman, and I primarily write about Iowa. Today I'm joined by Max Olson, my colleague, friend, and fellow beer connoisseur. Who covers? Yes, sir. <laughs> who covers college football nationally? And nobody seems to have the his fingers more on the pulse of Big Ten, Big Twelve. I'm sorry, happenings like Max. So please, please don't tell me there's Big Ten realignment going on. I can only handle one league at a time here, Scott. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think uh, ten years ago was enough for me, and then seven yeah. years ago when it was Rutgers and Maryland, and that one sprouted out like a big. Ru- you know, and Rutgers and Maryland have just set the bar so high that you know how do you find another school that can can match that in terms of new membership, you know? Hey, you know what? Look what happened last weekend. Rutgers. Why, why am I trash talking the Big Ten on the Big Ten podcast? That doesn't make any sense. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Rutgers scored 61 the other day um, on Temple. Right. You know, Rod Carey, who I know some people are like, hey, maybe he should be the next Ferentz replacement. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen now. And then, and then you look at Maryland beating West Virginia. So That's right. That's right. Well, who, am I, who am I to knock them? They're in a good place right now. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, Jim Delaney, as always, knows best. And uh, I guess we'll I'll just have to take his word for it. So uh, have hey, you had any? You mentioned ch- beer. What's it? You mentioned beer. So I'm, I'm excited to come, come through your fine state this weekend. Um, last time I went to Ames in the summer, I stopped at Hy-Vee on my way out of town, in, I think in Ankeny. And was just amazed by the beer selection of, I, I really wanted to load up my trunk entirely with Iowa beer. Um, I usually pick up Toppling Goliath, but if you have any recs for me as I'm coming through here, at least on, on that side of the state, I'd love to hear them. Man, there is some, you know, Des Moines is, is sprouted up as a craft beer yeah. mecca. Iowa City has become one too. Um, you know, Toppling Goliath, as you know, I mean, that's kind of, 
it's it's kind of like built we get a lot of toppling here in Lincoln, Nebraska, but the the rest of the beers, I I was just overwhelmed by how many different you know different breweries are out there that look like they're doing great. Yeah, you know, in Iowa City, which is the area where I live, we've got uh, Back Pocket and we've got Big Grove. Those are the two big ones, and and they've really exploded with whether they're IPAs or their Oktoberfest blends, which that's my thing. I'm I'm an amber ale Oktoberfest is yeah, is kind it's of my, time of year. Yeah, so this is perfect. Uh, in fact, uh, Back Pocket has they call it the Hocktoberfest. So that you know, and and, nice. and then that replaces. Uh, and there's another one which is the Polecat Porter, which uh, against Ohio State when they had the fake field goal and. Uh, and uh, Tyler Kluver, the long uh, the the long snapper, caught the ball but tripped. It, the play was called the Pool Cat, so they named a, a beer after that. And, That's great. Uh, Big Grove, a lot of IPAs. My favorite beer, probably in the area, is the 1939, which is named after the Ironmen uh, in Iowa, okay. with Niall Kinnick and okay. those guys. So, yeah, it's it's been. Well, how about, how about I load up the trunk with some some uh, Nebraska beer, and we'll just do a little swap in the parking lot. That here. sounds yeah. great. Outside's Jack Trice. Yeah, we'll do. Uh, what what kind Beautiful. do you want? You want some IPAs? Then is that here? Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Okay, any kind of flavor? Oh no, you, you can't really miss for me. <laughs> All right. So what do you want? You want uh, you said Amber's. Yeah, Amber's. If there's any Oktoberfest, I'll definitely take it. Okay. And uh, yeah, I'll go. I'll it. get get you two six packs. I'll just uh, get them at Johnsey's here in North Liberty and uh, two different kinds, two different IPAs, and I'll bring them Beautiful. over. Beautiful. Yes. Okay, I'm even more fired up for this weekend. Let's go. <laughs> now we don't even need to talk about any kind of football. But uh, <laughs> I was going to ask you, are you a little bit worn out now with all the, the talk about uh, expansion, or does it, is it going to ramp up, you think, this week? I It does feel like we're, we're finally kind of heading towards um, – you know, wedding day for the Big 12 at the end of the week here with these four new members. It seems like it's heading that way at least. And so maybe we can kind of put this on the shelf for a little bit after that. Um, they still have to figure out if Texas and Oklahoma, you know, when they're going to leave the Big 12. Um, there's there's still plenty to figure out in terms of when you're bringing those new members into the into the conference, whether it's 2023 or future. I'm, I'm sure the drama is not really over, but it seems like once they get the expansion, you know, worked out here this week, People may be, you know, actually able to focus on the football season again, at least in my life. So I'm excited to be at this game, um, you know, just because it has, been, you know, you know, this this whole off season in, in college football and college athletics at large, there's just been so many. It's just been an, a very issue heavy off season, and uh, for me, it was a little weird to sort of like flip the switch and and get back to covering games last week. So I'm, I'm excited for this one. This feels like, um, you know, especially with the the crowd, I'm sure there's going to be uh, incredible like this this does feel like the, I, I love this rivalry game I know you do too it, this is uh, you know especially in this part of the country this is kind of college football at its best so I'm excited to actually cover a college football game I didn't cover a single one in person last year uh, so pretty fired up about this yeah and, and, and let's talk a little bit about the Cyhawk here I mean uh, you, you and I both were there for the last uh, meeting it was in Ames again last year's got canceled because of the the COVID situation, which actually kind of bums out a lot of Iowa fan, Iowa players, I should say, because they yeah. like playing them at home too, because it's just as raucous and crazy of an environment as it is in Ames. But uh, this is a series that has been, you know, it's a big day here in Iowa every year when they play. They both could be bad or one mediocre and one bad. It doesn't matter. Now they're both in the top 10 and they've never been ranked before when they played one another. So, uh, you know, from the Iowa State angle, what's kind of been your takeaway 
of maybe Matt Campbell's trajectory to this point in his career? Um, and how have you viewed it? And where do you think they kind of sit as a program um, now that he's five years in? Yeah, I, I think it's one of the most impressive, um, you know, building jobs that anyone's done here probably in the last five, ten years of college football. And not to say, you know, it wasn't like Kansas rock bottom level bad when he took over, obviously. But, um, you know, I think that just the steps they've taken every year as a coaching staff, um, you know, especially within the context of the Big 12 and, uh, you know, going from that, that sort of initial expectation of, you know, hoping to get to a bowl game to now building into, you know, a program that, uh, you know, are you, you're not more talented than the two, three, four best teams in the Big 12, but you do believe you can beat any of them. And, you know, when, when you play right, when you, you know, that you've got the pieces now, um, you know, certainly for Iowa State, their good players are now all Big 12 good. You know, that is, that's a big, hard thing to achieve in, in building up your program um, and, and hard to do it fast. Um, where, you know, the Brock Purdy's and Brees Hall's and Mike Rose's, they aren't just, you know, feel-good stories of guys that play higher than their ranking. They're they're like, you know, defensive player of the year, offensive player of the year in your conference. And so even with how, you know, Oklahoma's rolling and Texas is always loaded, uh, incredibly impressive. And, and But, you know, certainly as we all know, um, this is this is the the trophy that's missing on the on the mantle there you know this is other than winning a big 12 title this is the, the this is the one that you know everyone in that building uh, absolutely you know thinks about this all the time and you know throughout the year and, and they want this one and and um, I'm sure that they roll into this one even with you know not the most exciting opener um, that they played against northern Iowa I, I think there's I'm sure a lot of confidence that um, you know when they play, their best football when they don't make mistakes and um, you know, when they're healthy and all that, that, that they, they have a chance to, to play with anybody on their schedule. And so this is, you know, it's absolutely fascinating that they're both in the top 10 here. Um, is there even a game that you can think of Scott in this rivalry that comes even anywhere close to like just the hype level for this one? I know 19 was a big deal, but is there anything that even is at all comparable to just how great this game could be? The only two that really stand out for me, from that stand, well, there's a couple that stand out. One, two years ago, you know, college game day was there, and uh, Iowa State had just fallen out. They were like receiving votes at the highest level right. because they had a really mediocre performance against Northern Iowa, and uh, Iowa was still, I don't know, somewhere on 18, 17, 19, something like that. So everybody was kind of hoping they'd both be ranked, and they weren't. Um, 2005 was a little bit that way because Iowa State had just a, was a field goal shy of of going to um, the Big 12 title game that year, and it didn't work out. And and really, ultimately, the biggest game was probably 2002. And uh, Iowa State had a great opener. They had Seneca Wallace. Uh, they had, I think that was the year with the, the play at, at Arrowhead where he should have scored. He thought he scored. Uh, they didn't score, and he lost. they lost Florida State, and they started 6-1. and one. Well, Iowa ended up... Uh, 11 and two and went to the Orange Bowl that year and tied for the Big Ten title. They they didn't play Ohio State. I mean they're both eight and zero and mm-hmm. they probably were better at that point in the season than the, than the national champs. But uh, they played at Kinnick and it was 24 to seven at halftime. Then uh, Iowa State came back. Brad Banks hurt his hand and they ended up uh, Iowa State ended up winning 36 31. It was Iowa's only regular season loss. So that's probably been the epic game of the series. But I think this one just soars past it because 
we know going in. They're top 10 teams. They're teams that I think legitimately they're probably not considered the favorite in their conference, but they are the number two team. I think everybody could looks at Iowa State and goes, yeah, they're probably the second best team. Maybe Texas mm-hmm. has more talent and can get there. But, you know, likewise in the Big Ten, I think Penn State and Wisconsin, Iowa beat both of them by 20-plus points last year. So, um, And they right. played these, each other this week. I don't know that Iowa's worse than they are. So um, I, I think they're both legitimately placed. And and uh, the fact game day's there again. And, and hopefully there's no – Look, and, and both teams can, can play up to that potential no matter who wins this game. Yeah. Right? Like that, that – by the, at the end of the year, they can both have – top 10 kind of seasons and that's what part of what makes this as a non-conference game so exciting oh for sure and uh and then you throw on just all the factors you mentioned i mean matt campbell's beaten every team in the big 12 twice except oklahoma state which has only been once Mm -hmm. but he's never beaten Mm -hmm. iowa and for iowa state in, in a weird way because of all the realignment over the last 10 years they don't have any contiguous rivals um nebraska was kind of wasn't a rival per se, but it was nearby and people came to the game. They cared about it. They've sold it out. Missouri was on the border, not really a rival per se, but also they did have the telephone trophy (laughs) where I guess in the 1950s or 60s, they played a game and the wires got crossed. So they started talking on the wrong side. So they played for this trophy. And of course it's basically extinct. We we get, we get Farmageddon now, but that's about it. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and my son drew up an a awesome comic with that, which is they should play for the Reaper. Kansas State oh, yeah. and, and Iowa State should play for a Reaper. I think that would be really cool. So, uh, but <laughs> you know that that game last year, or sorry, the game in 2019 too. I'm curious what sticks with you on that one. But I went back and looked at it, just the box score of it today, and it, it is you know you, you remember the beginning and us sitting around for three hours waiting for this game you remember the end of it obviously with the the two guys running into each other on the punt return there when Iowa State has a chance to go drive down there and win um but man in between I know it was a weird you could say oh that was kind of a weird game and all that but um it, re- it really is kind of symbolic of these two programs the way that game went where um yeah Iowa State's hot and they outgained Iowa by 100 and threw for over 300 almost eight yards of play um, they were moving the ball mm-hmm. certainly really well, and they they just and any and they even held Iowa to four field goals, which in the Big Twelve, Scott, we consider that a stop. Uh, so <laughs> you know they did a lot of things right in that game, but when they had the chances in the first half, there they they didn't fully take advantage and kind of build up this big lead and had to punt on four of their first seven drives. And and then what did Iowa do in that game? You know they uh, they run almost twenty more plays. They have a ten minute edge in time of possession. They Iowa State puts them in third down 19 times on the day, and Iowa still converts 10 of them, which is fantastic. Um, and then Nate Stanley was really good in the second half. And, you know, bottom line, what's it come down to? Iowa State lost two fumbles. Mm-hmm. And, these you know, when these teams play in, in that game, you only get 10 possessions, mm-hmm. you know? So you just – every mistake is is really, really tough. And that was a game where I felt like Iowa State was close, and then Iowa just – hung around, didn't let it get out of hand, and then, um, you know, finished the job when it was time to. What what sticks with you with with that one? Just because for me, looking back on it, it's like, man, once again, you feel like Iowa State's close. It's been, what, three years in it now when they – the last three games they've played, it's been really close margins. Uh, But Iowa's just really good at being Iowa. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of a phrase I hear all the time. Iowa's Iowa. and. And, uh, and, and that game in particular, other than the three-hour weather delay, I mean, there were some things. Keith Duncan, the kicker, was tremendous. Four yep. field goals, four quarters, four different types of weather, 
four different types of lighting and, and directions. I mean, it was just, you know, and that proved pivotal. They went by one point. Um, I think you look at, uh, I remember Iowa State having that uh, pitch pass or, or it was uh, thrown by the wide receiver and mm-hmm. Iowa had a new cornerback. They were down to like their fourth or fifth corner on that side. And of course right. he comes up and throw it over his head. And I remember Matt Campbell staring down the Iowa sideline, you know, just like this glare, like, you know, don't try me type of thing. I thought that was pretty <laughs> funny. I, I remember Nate Stanley coming up with like a huge, like 30 yard pass on his own goal line. Way backed you know, up. Yeah. He has a gun. That. So, and uh, one of the most violent plays I've ever seen was the goal line sneak for a touchdown. And somebody had a video of it here, one of the TV stations. And uh, just to see that mosh pit was just, I mean, the only thing missing were sledgehammers. It was just, you know, <laughs> Tyler Linderbaum, of course, was at the was pushing through for the, for the score. So it, it's just fascinating, you know, the way these two teams compete. There's only been really one blowout in the last 10-plus years, and that mm-hmm. was Campbell's first one. They just were overmatched. Iowa was still pretty good. Uh, right. But... You know, they've had two 44-41 overtime games, one in Ames, both in Ames, and they're split. Uh, one, it's weird because the one year that they have the, the 42, or I think it was 2012, when they had an interim trophy for this game because they had this old trophy that was made seemingly in a shop class. It was like a brown, a brown we, we can't do this trophy justice in an audio way. It, people should go Google this. Oh, yeah. I mean, this trophy gate in 2011 is priceless. You know, they had this old one that was built when they were first started back up in 1977. And it's like a block of wood with like this brass um, fake Heisman guy on top of it. And they traded back and forth and both sides just realized, you know what, this is too cheesy for a good (laughs) series rivalry trophy. So... Uh, they decided to, to commission one through Iowa Corn as their sponsor, and they came up. <laughs> I can't even talk about it without laughing. This Iowa Corn family, uh, these two people, you know, standing around with a bushel of corn, and Dad standing around, and, and the only time I when I it's, it's an adorable trinket. Yeah, it really is. It's the the most ain't they quaint Iowa small town. Let's go to the caucuses and. <laughs> You know, all that crap. Like like someone in a New York office put it together. Exactly. Is that how you took it? Yeah, yeah. it was like, oh, it's so cringeworthy. I it can't it's more cringeworthy than any song about the water in Ames, let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh both sides universally hated it. And they were gonna create trophies like that for every sport when they played one another. And uh, Iowa Corn, uh, the head was like, okay, I get it. Uh, let's change this around. And and so they had an interim trophy where they used the base of that trophy. And then and then they just put like a football on top. And uh, went 44-41 and fans charged the field at Jack Trice, ripped the trophy to shreds. They still have it in the facility there because there's like a little tee and a little ball on top. But it was just, everything was all over the place. And then, then the next year it was 9-6 to six at Kinnick, you know, and, yeah, just just crazy. So all these games are just just have amazing outcomes and, and scenarios. And the 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 two other stats that stuck out to me looking going through that old box score, you know. So first one, um, Iowa zero turnovers against Iowa State in the last four games. Iowa State turnover margin over these last six Cyhawk games is minus nine, mm-hmm. and that that tells the story, right? Mm-hmm. That because that's Iowa State 
cannot turn it over and have bad penalties and have a bad third down. Like they have to be on point in those areas to 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 win against really good teams. And then the other one, I'll I'll, I'll tee up here a little bit. Uh, Brees Hall one carry for no gain. Tyler Goodson three carries for 16 yards in this game in 2019. Mm-hmm. Di- different teams now. <laughs> Certainly, and there, and it's funny the way they they came together, uh, and all they recruited those two and another guy, Jarrell Brock, who's their number two mm-hmm. back. And I would anticipate if Brees Hall goes to the NFL next year, that he'll be a pretty good player for the Cyclones. Yeah, he's he's waited his turn, yeah. and, and he's a good player for sure. And uh, those three, those two teams were in on the whole time, and they really fought. Now Brees Hall kind of separated them towards the end, and, and Goodson did the same thing. They kind of found out which school they wanted more in Iowa. And kind of went that direction, but you know they they both thought highly of you know Iowa State and Goodson, and certainly Brees Hall and Iowa. Yeah. Jarrell Brock was the more interesting one, simply because it looked like he was more head go to, to head with that one. Yeah. yeah, they he wanted to go to Iowa at that point, and Iowa ended up getting Makai Sargent, who was a really good running back from a junior college at Iowa Western, and uh, he's he's with the Tennessee Titans, so he made the team. He's pretty good, but. That said, they went from two to one scholarship, and it was kind of like, okay, we're going to go with Goodson, and Brock was pretty upset. But then a th- few days later, he commits to Iowa State, and he's going to be a really good Cyclone, I think, and maybe even in this game on Saturday. And yeah. uh, and so uh, you know, <laughs> and they they both have a little bit different identities, but the same thing goes is Iowa State still has Micro, still has Brock Purdy, uh, Colin Newell. I remember in two thousand eighteen. Um, I think Colin played tackle in the game in Iowa City and had to go against A.J. Epinesa and got kind of ate up late in the game. And, and I talked to As most people did yeah, by right. A.J. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's pretty good too. So. Yeah, he was. <laughs> but uh, Matt said, I asked him about it, he goes, I didn't want his first career start at center to come at Kinnick Stadium. I thought that would be an awfully difficult environment for him. And, and he's, he's right. But he's like, you know, if I had to do it over again, maybe I would have done something different there too. And um, because uh, Julian Good Jones, I think, started at center instead of left tackle, and who knows, he might have gotten blasted too because Epineza was was at times Godzilla out there. But I think that it was really a, um, but it proved to be very pivotal in a game that was thirteen to three, and I wouldn't yeah. score kind of the the siding touchdown until the fourth quarter. So. Um, do you think we're going to get one of those kind of games this time? Or do you think this is going to be – you think it has more of a shootout potential? If I was to make a guess, I think it would probably be low teens, early tw- – low, low 20s, high teens, okay. you know, in that okay. 17 to 24. Similar to last time, yeah. you think. Just – but, you know, the differences I've noticed in uh, I what Iowa State can do versus, say, Indiana – um, you know, and Indiana played Iowa, and Iowa won decisively the other day. Is Indiana does Penix isn't a real scrambler or isn't a runner necessarily like Purdy, and he doesn't throw for high completion percentage. Purdy does. Those are things that I think can really they can nickel and dime Iowa quite a bit with that. You know, third and seven, he can take off and you know, or crossing pattern, throw to the tight end. Iowa's going to go pretty much exclusively four three in this game. Um, so now they've got a really athletic outside linebacker who was a four-star who ended up going with Iowa over Ohio State. So that that was a pretty big win for them. But he'll be all right. But I, I don't know what's going to happen with Kohler. You know, is he going to play or not? Uh, yeah, Kohler and Vance getting back is, is going to be important in this one. Not that they don't have, have some depth at those spots. Right, yeah. right. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. One other thing is, I think this game features two of the best defensive coordinators in the country and certainly two of the most underrated ones. And I really like the Heacock story. And I know you, you I think you wrote about them and, and at one point, what, maybe about two years ago when it, him and Brent Venables. I mean, what, what kind of happened there? Oh, yeah. You know, I think that, you know, what, what Iowa State has done on defense um, – was was really I mean it really surprised everybody in the Big Twelve you know to switch to the odd front um, and and get really proficient at that you know dropping eight and, and making you know quarterbacks a little bit more confused and and um, you know certainly the way that like Iowa State just figured out a really really smart way to get their best players on the field on defense and to simplify the game down for them and have fewer missed assignments and um, you know it's it's been something that. You know, you keep iterating on it, obviously, over these last few years, but it's given them a big advantage when you play against Big 12 teams. You saw Baylor take it and steal it and then go win the Big 12 title the next year or, you know, play for a Big 12 title the next year with it. Um, and certainly it's something that Clemson adopted under Venables, um, you know, when, when they were, uh, uh, I think, two years ago, uh, doing that a little bit more um, and, and really having some success with it um, when they played uh, let's see which game was that. Oh, when they when they beat Ohio State in the semifinal to go play LSU in the ch- in the championship mm-hmm. that year, they kind of adopted more of that with their personnel. And uh, it'll be fun to see how it fits into this game. Certainly, I, I you know I think that that staff has uh, has done a, a really brilliant job of of just taking what you got and figuring out how to play good defense and, and really sound smart defense. And then you now you've got um, you know the guys like Mike Rose and Greg Eisworth who've been there a long time and and just a high level of experience at, at a bunch of spots in that. Uh, lineup, but I, I'm with you. I'm certainly interested to see. Um, uh, that, was a, that was a big highlight, real heavy um, kind of debut from Iowa's defense in this this first game against Indiana, and uh, you know certainly that 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 tug of war in the game is 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 going to be massive. I imagine just which defense uh, makes fewer mistakes. Yeah, I agree, and I think it's with Iowa State. It's really fascinating because I imagine they'll probably slide more from a three three five to a four two just because I think they might have to have at least somebody on the line of scrimmage because of Iowa's zone blocking scheme. They're going to need to, they're going to need to be physical to attack because Iowa is very, you know, it's, it's yeah. an old school. And they have some versatility you know? in that. Haycock is a guy that still, you know, his, his whole experience is in four-man fronts. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure there's a little bit of versatility there, but it's a, it's a fair point. And I, and I remember talking to Matt about that um, a couple of years ago and just, and he said, look, uh, Haycock was a guy, four down lineman, quarters coverage that's what he wanted to do but about midway through that first year it was like we can't win in this league with that that defense and then that's when 
collectively, and then Hecock really earned his money. I mean, to switch it around, and, and they've turned into you know really a terrific defense, and 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 for a number yeah. of years, it's they've had guys come and go. Jaquan Bailey, Jaquan Bailey was really good, and. Um, some of their other corners and stuff, and yet here they are. And, and Mike Rose, of course, has been there, it feels like, forever. But, um, you know, and then conversely with Iowa, Iowa was a 4-3 defense forever until 2018. And they got beat one too many times when they tried to throw their third, you know, their third linebacker on a slot. And it was against Wisconsin, and then inside of a final minute, couldn't cover you know, surprisingly enough, it's Nick Neiman who, who run, ran about a 4-4. He's with the Chargers now, and yet, you know, he's like, okay, we got to do something different. And they went to a 4-2-5, and it's better now than it's ever and it's been in 10-plus years. And the other day proved it. I mean, their secondary, yep. everybody in the secondary returned. They've got some good edge players. Their linebackers are pretty underrated i think they're gonna they're really good they've got some holes kind of up front in the interior but it didn't they didn't look out of place the other day i but i think brock purdy can kind of change the game a little bit against iowa because iowa is risk averse a little bit in the secondary in that that they do not want to give up any big plays and uh so that's what made the a couple of years ago so strange because that's really about all they did but but in this game, it'll be it – it might be seven yards at a time per pass, but Brock Purdy's good enough to do it. Um, on the flip side, I don't know about Spencer Petras at Iowa. I've seen him. He's yeah. Yeah. won games, but it's not really him going out there and tipping the field and making the plays. And his predecessors have done this in this series, but he hasn't. And he's going to have to prove it now or – or he'll have to wear that. Well, label. and Iowa State has to find a way to put Iowa in that position where where Spencer Petras has to prove that, mm-hmm. right? Like if you if you can if you're not getting gashed in the run game um, by Goodson and, and their backs, if if you know, I think if they are able to kind of um, have a little bit of control on defense, then I, I'm sure that's the plan at Iowa State is make the QB beat you because uh, we don't know we don't know how, how good he is, mm-hmm. and, and we know how good Purdy can be. Can he play that kind of performance in this game? Um, not to say he's a very inconsistent guy, but, you know, this is the, the game you put it all together. Yeah, right. And, in, you know, at least locally within the state of Iowa, this is a legacy-defining game. How you perform sure. in this, people, you know, it, it's not unlike what you see in Auburn, Alabama. Now, it's not to the scope nationally, but in here in Iowa, you remember <laughs> these games, what happened when, you know, Seneca Wallace's run or in basketball, LaFesta Rhodes' 54-point performance and, you know, all the you know, all these other events. So if Brock Purdy takes him down the length of the field in the final few minutes and they win that game, he'll be remembered forever by Cyclone fans as that guy. Or if Spencer Peaches throws a, an interception. You know, and, and in 2021, Scott, if you go do that, you can even become, you know, even richer because of that. That's right. Go sell the T-shirts of the, you know, the heroic drive and all that. And, you know, I think <laughs> it makes you a legend, but it can also make you a little money these days now, too. You know, can you if we were having if we had NIL two years ago, I guarantee there would have been T-shirts on the east side of the state that showed uh, the two Cyclones running into each other uh, on that punt. I guarantee. Yeah, I don't know. If, but the, are you going to send the money back to the two players that are depicted in their likeness? I hope, hopefully so. I hope I so. But that uh, would be <laughs> that would be harsh. <laughs> if things like that do have a way of happening, though, regardless. So uh, you know, I, I could see that. So I mean, well, how do you see this game playing out? I mean, you, you know, we've kind of broken it down in a lot of different ways. But I mean, 
You know, is, is there something that really stands out for you? You know, I think, I think, I, I think Iowa State will win this, but I don't, I, I don't, I'm, and I'm sure you probably feel the opposite, but I don't know if either of us feel very strongly about that going into this game. I, I don't know how you feel, but I, I think, um, you know, I, 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 it's hard. It's easy to be a little bit concerned by week one and and the disparity in what you saw. You talk to some Iowa State folks who say, well, you know, in August, you know, just because of the approach we take with camp, we really don't really scrimmage that much in August. So sometimes that opener can be a little bit messier. Um, But can you flip the switch and go out and play your very best football? And, you know, you could watch that game and say maybe they're saving some good stuff for for the Hawkeyes. I'm I'm sure that's possible. Maybe that that is the case. But um, so that that gives me some pause, obviously. Week one did. Uh, But. I think that you know how important this game is to Iowa State, how important it is just as a step for the program. And maybe that can make it too big in your heads and, and you don't play your best on Saturday when, when it's time to kick off. But um, I think that two really, really good teams, I won't be surprised by either outcome. Um, and I, and you know that stadium's going to be rocking. I just I think Iowa State finds a way to get it done in truly a – I mean, we'd be shocked if it's a blowout, right? Like, I think it's I think it's a truly a four quarter, last five minutes kind of fight. I'll I'll take the Cyclones. Do you see Iowa winning that kind of a game? Oh, I think they can. I'm probably not predicting it though. And oh, really? And okay. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna pick Iowa State by three somehow. Yeah, that's kind of how we see it, it. Yeah, it would not shock me in the least if this is an overtime game. Iowa kicks a field goal. Iowa State scores a touchdown type of thing. I've seen it happen before. So, you know, both sides. Um, I, I think, right. as you mentioned, Iowa State traditionally plays poorly in its opener. Um, it's done that against Northern Iowa two years ago. Double overtime. Louisiana over. last Louisiana. year. Louisiana. Yeah. I was at that game and they looked horrendous <laughs> in that game. Yeah. Um, and then they came back and had a really nice year. They, they've done that throughout. Heck, even going back, and this is a ways, when Gene Chizik was the head coach, they started out in 2007 0-2, and they got beat by Kent State and Northern Iowa by like one was like nine, the other was like 11 points. Iowa was 2-0, and had beaten Syracuse 35 to nothing at home at night at Kinnick. They're going over to Jack Trice. I think it was a 17-point favorite, as Iowa was. Ended up 15-13 Iowa State. They kicked five field goals to win that game. So um, when I saw that, I'm like, just throw it all out. You never really know what's going to happen. And um, That's what happens when you go against a you know national championship head coach like Gene Chizik, you know? <laughs> we all knew it at the time, too. You know? Of course. You know, yeah, of course. figured he'd win it for the Cyclones, right? No, <laughs> no it, it, but – that's kind of what I don't know is in this game, things happen. Things are weird. Things change. Um, there have been times where, you know, two, four years ago up there where you know, Iowa took like a 14-point lead and then Iowa State led by 10 in the, in the fourth quarter and Iowa came back and went into overtime. I mean, it, it, I expect swings. I expect uh, you know, a lot of different things. Really what it boils down to me and why I'm picking Iowa State to win this is quarterback. Spent uh, Brock Purdy, even in losses like Baylor a few years ago, they're down like 20 to nothing, and then they lose. He score, takes them on three scoring drives, and then they lose 23 uh, 21. Even and then wins. He has that experience, he's done it over and over and over yep. again. You know, the competitiveness at some point when you lose these rivalry games. You've got to reach it. And Matt Campbell's shown to me that he's capable of doing it. If he can do it to Oklahoma, which this program's yeah. never done, 
he can do sure, it to sure. Iowa. That said, Iowa's going in there with the same attitude. You know that they, frankly, they want to kick their ass. You know that's the kind of the attitude that they're taking. Of course, yeah, um, of course. You know, I think in Des Moines Dowling alone, West Des Moines Dowling alone, there are eight kids, four on each side. I mean, so the you know Central Iowa is a blaze right now. So I just I think. All those factors lean into that, but as you said, I wouldn't be surprised if Iowa just shuts them down. Maybe has a pick six of their own, and all of a sudden it's like, you know, you got them in a headlock for the four four quarters, and Iowa wins twenty to seven or something like that. Either, but I would predict it a different way. I would pick Iowa State somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty three twenty is probably something that I would go with. And hopefully, you know. Zero delays. Let's just <laughs> let's just knock this thing out. Because I went and looked at it. They put this in the box score. You remember that was, I assume, what two two o'clock kick, three o'clock kick. You know, schedule. Yeah, right. Three o'clock. Yeah, yeah. Finished at nine o'clock. That was the worst. That was the worst. <laughs> and plus, with game day there, it was just such a long, long day. It was a long, long day. And yeah. you know the rain. And I mean, I remember writing about bush light you <laughs> everything, yeah. and, and because that's what it is. And, you remember the the I think the student section ran onto the field there a little bit at one point during one of the delays. Like everyone was just the the angst was was real that whole day basically. Yeah, and I think at one point Iowa had. Uh, one of its uh, lackeys go out and order like 300 sandwiches for the players or something in the middle of the delay and and stuff. So, it, I mean, it adds to the drama, certainly, but uh, we didn't need that. And I know usually I drive back. I mean, it's less than two hour drive. But by the time sure, I left that sure. press box, I'm like, man, I can't make it back. It's I'll be in end up head on with a deer or something on the way there. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fantastic, man. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, oh, by the way, over under 0.5 turnovers for Iowa. What are you, what are you taking? I'm going to take the over. You're going to take the over? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, Finally, the streak is broken? Yeah, I think the streak there might end up being broken. I mean, they had two fumbles the other day, which was funny because one of the things Kirk Ferentz said, you know, somebody said, oh, we had no rest this weekend at Kinnick, which – has never happened, especially now that they sell beer there. And he's like, uh, he goes, well, that's uh, two more. We had two more arrests, or we had two more fumbles, and we had arrests there. So, uh, you know, that, that, there, that, I don't know. We'll see how that ratio is this weekend. I think these these fans are, are pro- probably pretty excited to see each other. Yeah, I think there's going to be an, an arrest or, or twenty or thirty, but there will not be a band. I hope not. So no, yeah, that's right. Iowa that's right. is uh, has shut down the band, but. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device 
for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. You know, one other Iowa state kind of question I wanted to ask you about is kind of what's your view of how maybe some of these changes will go down for Iowa State with, um, I mean, assuming that the four that have been discussed that you've reported join the Big 12. I mean, how do you see this impacting the Cyclones? And, um, you know, I mean, is Cincinnati a good fit, a good team that they can maybe even start a rivalry with? I don't, yeah, it's a good, it's a great question. I, I you know I think that at Iowa State, first of all, you know I it's a good thing that the Big Twelve stuck together. Um, you know I, I I think that that I'm glad that that cloud is not hanging over this game of of the uncertainty of the fate of the Big Twelve and of the eight remaining members. Um, you know that I'm I'm glad that we can kind of like that that you know that it's tough. It's really tough. It, I, and I know it has been for Iowa State fans. Just living in this uncertainty here for the last, you know, fifty days or so of not knowing what's going on and where's their place in in college athletics going to be in the future. And so, glad the Big Twelve stuck together. You know, I think adding these four members, you know, you could make the argument that, um, you know, Cincinnati and UCF coming in maybe makes things a little bit tougher in recruiting, a little more challenging, just because, you know, they've been so proficient at taking good players out of Florida and, and definitely taking good players out of Ohio under or under Campbell, and they probably always will be with the connections that his staff has in that state, um, but. I think it's I you know you know I'm and who knows what the divisions end up looking like in yeah, that Big Twelve either maybe maybe you can get back to some sort of well I guess I, don't, I wouldn't say north south maybe they'll do some sort of uh, you know east and west Big Twelve I, who knows but um, you know I think that there is when when you think about the future and taking Texas and Oklahoma out of this conference um, as long as Matt Campbell's at Iowa State and not to say that they'll just fall off and not be relevant that, I'm not saying that at yeah. all because they've built a great infrastructure there and they keep investing in it. Um, but who's the top dog in the Big 12? I think Iowa State has a chance here, especially if, if Texas and Oklahoma were to leave in 2023 and Matt Campbell were to stay in Ames long term, which you know contractually he, he's committed to doing, and, and I know he loves it there. Iowa State has a chance to win Big 12 titles and be in a 12-team college football playoff in the future if they can keep this thing rolling. Obviously, we you and I can't sit here today and predict what NFL jobs and what you know uh, elite college football jobs come along all of them should want Matt Campbell. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that he'll have to keep saying no if he's going to stay um, in, in Ames and keep saying no to some really good jobs. But uh, I think Iowa State has an opportunity here to be very successful over the next decade in the Big 12, no matter who their coach is. But it certainly shakes up, um, you know, I, I, it's still a Power 5 league, and I think they're still going to have a chance to to have a spot in the playoff every year if it goes to 12 and Iowa State should look at that as a, as a pretty awesome opportunity to just keep building on where you are right now. Yeah, the only question I have for them when it comes to this is is revenue. 
and can sure. they bring yeah. in the kind of revenue to ensure that they have a successful program at a high level in, in all of these sports, especially football. And that's kind of a mystery until 2025, unfortunately, in terms of what does the TV deal look like and can you keep it – if you can keep it flat, I mean, they'd take that. Yeah. You know, If you can keep it close to current, um, then, then that would be – at this point, a huge win. Yeah, and uh, you know, in this series, Iowa State, it's uh, scheduled out through 2025. Uh, Gary Bardo was non-committal, but not in a negative way or anything. Just saying, who knows what the future will hold? We like this series. We want to keep this series, but you know, we'll see because you know, they're going to have alliance obligations at, at Iowa, whatever that is. <laughs> you know, and That's and true. it's it's kind of like anything. It's kind of like interleague baseball. For every Ohio State Clemson game, or every Oregon Michigan matchup, well, if Michigan's any good, or any team like that, you're going to get like what we saw with Purdue and Oregon State. Or, you know, why would Iowa want to go play NC State if you can't play Iowa State? Uh, yeah. You know, so now if you get USC, if, if Notre Dame squeezes into that somehow, Florida State, okay, yeah, you can kind of buy it. But, you know, I don't think anybody's going, yeah, let's go play Boston College. You know? The, the thing that would bother me, um, and, and probably this is a, a potential threat here, is just if these conferences look at it and say, um, you know, what's the right no- – like with the 12-team playoff and the alliance, you know, what's the right number of games to play in a year? Mm-hmm. Do we need to lop off a non-conference game, you know, for alliance reasons or otherwise? And, and that – I would hope that a rivalry like this doesn't go away just because of where sort of the sport is moving um, in terms of some of those those obligations and, and, and changes because, you know, th- this is – to me, this is what makes this so fun. I mean, obviously, conference titles are hugely important, and there's obviously you know great rivalries within the Big Ten and within the Big Twelve and all that. But these these crossover games, um, you know, are just so special. And you'd hate we obviously we've seen it through Big Twelve realignment. Mm-hmm. We've seen some of these you know go by the wayside, and it sucks. Yeah. You know, so I hope this one doesn't. Yeah, it does. And I, I I mean we we may not have Bedlam for a long time. Who knows? You know, like there's like there. So it, it, you hope that people can. You know, the ADs and all can work together and, and preserve the ones that, that matter, and this is definitely one of them. I think it, it will be preserved if the Big Ten goes to eight games, eight-game league schedule. I don't see the Big Ten mandating everybody, you're going to play two. You're going to play one from the ACC and one from the Pac-12 every year, plus you can't, I mean, numbers-wise. I mean, I don't know how that mm-hmm. would work out. But I think also, if you're the ACC – are you going to tell Louisville you can't play Kentucky or, or, or Clemson you can't play South Carolina? Or I mean, that's not going to happen. So I, my anticipation is they're going to drop to eight. Everybody play at least one. And then for Iowa and Iowa State, hey, it's up to you guys. You want to play it? Play it. And, and obviously Iowa State would want to play it. Iowa is in a little different spot just simply because it has, it has more – historical rivalries that kind of matter to them than Iowa State because, you know, with losing teams like Nebraska, Missouri, and they weren't and, – and Iowa State struggles historically. It hasn't lent itself to many rivals, whereas Iowa – Minnesota, Iowa yeah. versus Minnesota is legendary. I mean, they play for the pig. I mean, Iowa-Wisconsin is, the, the, my opinion, the best fist fight in football. Uh, for, it is massive. And uh, in Nebraska and Iowa has turned into a, quite a yeah, it's okay. a, you know, intense game. It just needs to have some <laughs> something on the line once in a while, you know. Uh, and, wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. I hear you. Hey, I, hear you. I, I get that. Same for Iowa. Same for Iowa. Sure. Sure. Yeah. You know, in this uh, what ten years that they played, each one has won the division once. 
you know so that's true so they need to, that's true they need to have some skin in the game they need to have some blood you know somebody get knocked off but uh <laughs> uh just to spin this around the big 10 really quick i know you're busy and i really appreciate all your time here um you know what have you kind of seen thus far i mean four big 10 games to start off the season last week minnesota ohio state and uh what was kind of your main takeaways? Because uh, I know you do you do a lot of takeaways when you're, you know, for the athletic. I mean, first of all, it was, and you, you throw in Nebraska, Illinois. I think it was awesome to have Big Ten, you know, conference games to start this off. Like that was really fun as as just sort of a, a measuring stick for for where some of these programs are at. Not to say that that first game, you know, dooms you or crowns you or anything like that, but um, love to see those. I think that. Um, you know, it's interesting to see where Ohio State was at. I think I'm sure nobody in Columbus is, is thrilled by what they saw against Minnesota. Um, and, you know, how much does the defense need to get worked out? How much was that sort of, you know, the first half performance, first game jitters from, from C.J. Stroud? I, this is, you know, against Oregon, I think, is a hell of a test. And just going out and proving, you know, we are a, going to develop into, you know, a playoff caliber team, you know, at Ohio State. So I think that's... Going to be a lot of fun to watch. You know, honestly, Scott, up until Mackenzie Milton's you know fourth quarter comeback, I thought the like the best thing I saw over the weekend was the last ten minutes or so of Wisconsin Penn State. I think that was phenomenal. I mean, just the the drama of that, and uh, you know, I mean, it's that that game was incredibly fun to watch. It kind of gets forgotten a little bit just because it, you know you get overshadowed a bit by by Clemson Georgia, but I mean that game was phenomenal, and um, you know, really interested to see where those two teams. Uh, go from here and uh, you know as as you mentioned I mean um, you know how much do you read into you know the Indiana failure mm-hmm. there too and just say well they were great last year I, I don't think Indiana is just a one-year wonder but man that was that was a buzzsaw they ran into in that first one yeah I mean I think each game has its own little story I mean maybe one of the most you know overlooked uh, games or performances in my eyes in some ways, was uh, Michigan State being able to go to, to Northwestern? Now they beat them last year. That was their only the only time yeah. that uh, Northwestern lost a regular season game. Uh, but uh, to, to to win the way they did, and and all oh, the running back was just phenomenal. Kenneth Walker, I mean, <laughs> Kenneth Walker was incredible. You know, yeah, one of the one of the best transfer pickups of of the offseason there for Michigan State. You know, two hundred sixty four yards, four touchdowns. I I saw them last year at Kinnick, and they got beat forty nine to seven. You know, so I, I wasn't real high on Michigan State going into this year, but uh, I think in year or two. And then conversely, with the Northwestern Wildcats, uh, you know, won the division last year. Uh, a lot of things went right for them, including playing Iowa at the right time. Uh, they won 21-20 in that game. But I think uh, they've got a lot of questions. I mean, going back to Hunter Johnson as quarterback was kind of a, a move that I didn't expect. I thought it would be Ryan Helinski. And uh, they lost a lot on defense, a lot of really great players and and it showed. Um, Fitz has always got the team. He'll get them in the at a good direction. But are they just going to be kind of there, an average team, six and six, seven and five, or or are they going to kind of galvanize and become a threat? Right. You know, they always have a bad September, and I think part of it is because they're not even in classes this time of year. But you know, and the the other bummer is just Mo Ibrahim and Ronnie Bell yes. too. Two guys were just incredible mm-hmm. in their first games, and. Um, you know, I don't. I don't know how much that changes the upside for those teams. Obviously, we'll, we'll get a good look at Michigan this week against Washington. Um, but you hate that just to open like the the upside of this is you open with these really really competitive conference games. The downside is you you know unfortunately in in these kind of games you you could lose some some big time dudes in, in in these case for the rest of the year. So 
that was that was tough, and and certainly don't want to see any more of that this week. Yeah, Mo Ibrahim was last year was the by far the best running back in the Big Ten. You know, until uh, late in the year with Trey Sermon, um, what he was able to do in the postseason, but <laughs> his last couple of games, yeah, yeah right, pretty yeah. good. But but you know, he's kind of a Mar- he was kind of a Marshawn Lynch guy. I mean, big, physical, could hit the hole, but had great, great quickness, great balance, did all those things well, and he showed it. You know, considerably against uh, you know Ohio State, and then having season-ending uh, surgery now is is really a shame because they have a big, experienced offensive line. They got a quarterback who's kind of ready to uh, rebound. You know, the receiving core is okay. They got a transfer in there. They look all right. Their defense is suspect, which we knew. But he was a he was the type of guy that could keep them in games. And if their defense forced a turnover or two. Sure, they could hang with even Wisconsin and Iowa, but now I, I kind of wonder if that's not the case. Um, Michigan, 47-14. Uh, last year, by the end of the year, they were screaming uncle. Uh, yeah, that's part of the reason why they didn't play in the last two weeks. Uh, but now, you know, I think we'll know a lot about them against Washington, even though Washington lost to Montana. Oof. But. Washington lost what apparently is an all timer for them in just terms of worse losses. Yeah. There, um, I, I I made like they Washington went out and scored on their a touchdown on their opening drive and then didn't do often anything offensively the rest of the day against an FCS team. So that's you know you try not to read too much in these first ones, but man, that is a that's a bit of a wake up call. Yeah, for sure. And uh, living where you're living, uh, and I'm sure you get your share of uh, Cornhusker talk. Uh, you sure. Know, at the beginning of the second quarter, I was thinking, "Oh my God, what is going on here?" It's seven to seven, Fordham and and Nebraska, and this isn't the Vince Lombardi Fordham Rams, but uh, uh, they turned things around seem, seemingly pretty nicely. Um, what's kind of been the rhetoric now surrounding the the Huskers? Well, you know, thanks to some deep pocketed boosters, the sellout streak's still going. So good job, good job, everybody in Lincoln, uh, running out that money, giving out free tickets. Um, you know, I think this game this week against Buffalo is an interesting matchup. I think if, if, um, you know, Lance Leipold were still there, you'd look at that one and say, boy, mm-hmm. maybe they're on, on upset alert there. Not to say Mo Linguist can't be a successful head coach at Buffalo. You know, they did have a bunch of players leave with, with Leipold to go to Kansas. Um, so Nebraska probably catching them in a good time. Whereas if you play Buffalo last year, um, with Jared Patterson, boy, you're probably going to lose to them if you're Nebraska. So, um, that will be an interesting test this weekend. Certainly, there's no game left on Nebraska's schedule that they can afford to overlook because they're trying to get to a bowl game. And you know, I think that 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 it lost to Illinois makes that you know run to six a, a lot tougher. And then you know, you, you need this week to, to build up because next week is uh, you know probably buzzsaw is the right word again. You know, yeah. in terms of going down to Norman to play Oklahoma, and certainly Oklahoma you know didn't play their best against Tulane, but. Um, given what kind of went on this offseason uh, with Frost trying to cancel on Oklahoma, I imagine the Sooners haven't forgotten that. Um, I'm sure their players don't really care, but I'm sure Lincoln Riley um, is, is looking to, to score a few points next week. So that game um, is going to be, for you know for folks like you and me who, who love the nostalgia of the sport, it'll be fun to see them on a field together. Um, not going to be a very close game. And then can Nebraska, uh, as that schedule gets really tough on the back end, obviously, mm-hmm. Um, they need to start putting stringing some win, wins together here uh, over September. Yeah, they need to beat the beatables. They need to at yeah. worst split with the teams that they're capable of splitting with. And I would put Illinois in that ballpark, although Illinois looked pretty 
mediocre the other day against UTSA. Against UTSA, yeah. yeah. Although they've yeah. got a good running back. I mean, they've got a good team. but They've got some good players, yeah. Jeff Trailer's done a nice job there so far at UTSA. Yeah, but I think still, you're a Big Ten team at home. Go win your game, you know. <laughs> There's sure. no excuses for that. And, uh, you know, throughout the league, I think, you know, the teams that I really want to see what they can do in week two um, or week three for Illinois and Nebraska in their case, Illinois plays at Virginia. I think that's a that's a pivotal game for Bielema. Get them up off the mat. See if they can go and win a game like that. And if they can, maybe they can put themselves in bowl positioning. Um, I think you look at uh, at Michigan against uh, Washington. I think is this a game where they're going to be competitive, or is this a game where they're going to be uh, uh, same thing with Rutgers going to Syracuse? Uh, I think this might be a game where I mean Shiano has really turned that thing around uh, from being. I mean, a pit unlike we've ever seen, not since Chicago was in the Big Ten, were they that bad, to now, hey, they're putting up 61, and they are um, they could be 2-0 and and beat Syracuse and uh, put themselves in a position to be a, a bowl contender. And, I mean, that, yes. that says a lot. So I don't know if uh, any of those other ones catch your eye or if that's uh, that pretty much fits the <laughs> runs the gamut. Well, you know, if we get another three-hour delay during Cyhawk, then we'll we'll have lots of time to uh, to dive into these games in the press box there. Um, right. And and hopefully, didn't you have a shoe problem at that last that last game? You got <laughs> to yeah. you got to you got to pack some good shoes for this yes, one, right? Yes, I uh, have since replaced my black shoes. That what did you have a blowout or what happened? I with had the shoe? Uh, <laughs> the, like there was a huge crack in the sole and it was pouring down <laughs> rain, so every step was, was. just like. Somebody, I was stepping on a hose, and it was like, you're like, hey, you want to go to the field? I'm like, I don't want to go to the field. My shoes. I'm not leaving this press box. You're just sitting there in your socks. Yeah. Oh, my God. This sucks. So we we got to come correct for this one. You never know what this game can throw at us. Yeah. So, well, I'll have to make sure to load up. Uh, go pick out two good IPAs for you yeah, for this trip. So. I'll, I'll take them. Yes, sir. Right. Thank you. Yeah. So, and, and as always, we wanted to thank you, our legends and listeners, for spending some time with us today and adding us to your podcasting rotation. So, please subscribe, rate, and review us. Five stars, just like Ari Wasserman's top prospects. So, for Max Olson, this is Scott Dockerman, and we will see you soon. Mm-hmm.